0: So Steve Bannon, former advisor to President Donald Trump, decided to ignore a subpoena from the January 6th committee to testify and release documents. And the committee will likely recommend criminal charges against him uh, for contempt of Congress. And truthfully, you know, I mean, let's face it, I I wouldn't expect anything less from Steve Bannon, as sad as it is for me to say that this is somebody who's helped Breitbart News into which she has injected and pumped like hateful speech that's racist and anti-Semitic and who was arrested and charged for money laundering during Trump's campaign. Frankly, I think that you could say this objectively, he's one of the most disgusting people to serve as an advisor to the president. It goes to show that, you know, there's a lot the Trump administration is trying to hide from Congress and from the American people. But that being said, another more recent development is that the Biden administration refused to protect some trump era right documents from getting out. So that's a step in the right direction and will likely open up the pathway to, you know, more transparency between what happened and what, you know, what connections there were between the Trump White House and those rioters at the Capitol at that time.
1: I mean, you, you put it pretty well. He's literally at the epitome of, you know, America is crap and we need to get it back to this former glory because he makes doc- he made documentary films that talked about how, oh, you know, you have great crises in American history and the, you know, we're facing... Both illegal and illegal immigration, tearing a country apart, the family values and the, you know, we strong leaders. This man wants to burn everything down. That's basically what he wants to do burn everything down. The Costa Woodward book, uh, Peril, where Bannon reportedly told Trump to go back to Washington on January 6th to rally the, his base when Congress was, was certifying the votes. The committee, it, it's taken them so long to actually hold Bannon in contempt for this. Like they have the vote scheduled for Monday morning, which you're probably gonna hear about this afterward. But he says, "Oh, I claim executive privilege." Uh, Trump says executive privilege. He wasn't working for the president at the uh, during the period where he's being called to testify about. You know, by And like you said, Joshua, Biden has already, with a bunch of our documents, has said, "No, we're not protection against you know Congress coming in and looking into you know executive function." This guy really just wants to burn everything down. And I'm I'm telling you right now. This committee needs to get moving. If McCarthy becomes Speaker in 2023, it's dead. If Republicans win, it's dead. They need to be moving right now. Drag Bannon and Meadows and Patel. Get in Rudy, get in Don Jr., get in Al- uh, Ali Alexander. Bring every single one of these ringleaders of insurrection into Congress. They need, to call, they need to submit the reports, call the reforms, Drag again, drag everyone in to get to the truth. If, something, if, they, if they call for actual reform... Pelosi needs to bring that to the floor. She needs to bring that up for votes. She needs to get that done.
0: I think it's, you know, the fact that the January 6th committee is essentially running on very borrowed time, right? Because midterms aren't looking good for Democrats in terms of the House. I mean, they'll likely lose the House in 2022 in those midterms. And if Republicans come to power, then the first thing they're going to do is completely undermine that January 6th committee because it's not in their interest to, you know, have Trump be put under, you know, put under the burner. Like. And because and
1: most of them are part of it. Like, McCarthy is part of it. He took the phone call from Donald Trump that day. Jim Jordan and Madison Cawthorn and Ted Cruz and every one of them needs to be dragged to the committee because they, they are part of this. When the call is literally coming from inside the House, they gotta do something.
0: No, I, I agree. I think, you know, obviously through legal means, but they've gotta act quickly.
1: And if the courts start coming in, fight them. Go to the courts. Use the court. Go as fast as you can because there is borrowed time. Use that right. Borrow time. There's no time to waste. Put in the effort. It's going to pay off in the long run. So Chuck Schumer said that Congress is going to pass both the $1.2 trillion hard infrastructure bill and the $3.5 trillion soft infrastructure bill by the end of the month. And besides that being completely unrealistic because of how Congress is working right now, go over Let's just go over this. So the one trillion dollar hard infrastructure, meaning the, road, the traditional roads, bridges, it's basically five hundred fifty billion dollars in new spending that goes broadband for internet, water infrastructure, ports, airports, literally everything for the supply chains and the highways, and also electric vehicles. There's also more stuff about electric vehicle charging ports around the country, so people have more incentive to buy electric cars and use them. That's past the Senate. It's it's in the House. I haven't voted on it yet. Progressives in the House are basically saying we want to have the uh, have hard infrastructure, but we need to have the soft infrastructure, human infrastructure, the other $3.5 trillion bill that had, that has a lot more social spending. So, what's in that bill? Well, there's those $3.5 trillion in spending as it is right now, two free years of community college, uh, childcare, and universal pre kindergarten. Uh, combined, that makes up about $550 billion, literally the amount of new spending that's in the uh, part of a structure bill. There's also Medicare expansion, which is basically the program that helps seniors near free or very, very cheap medical coverage. And so that expansion will basically cover dental work, hearing aids, and and vision and glasses. There's also expanded child tax credit, which was a part of the COVID relief packages that basically said families making under a certain amount, you get direct payments of a few thousand dollars per child, that that turned out to actually really work, keep getting people on their feet during the pandemic. So, that, so some Democrats are saying we should expand that for another four years through 2025. There's also talk of prescription drug prices, and possibly having Medicare that allowing them to negotiate drug prices, because right now there's a lot, there's a lot of high prices for insulin and for other very expensive, very well, life-saving drugs. And so, one of the theories from from some in the Democratic Party is that allowing the government in part to negotiate drug prices with, with drug companies and insurers will allow drug prices overall to go down. There's also paid family and medical leave. Every almost every other developed country has that, except the United States at least to the extent the bill wants it. There's also a lot of things about climate change, a lot about clean energy, a lot about renewables. And so this bill is hasn't gotten passed by anything yet. And part of the reason is when because progressives want that bill at least ready to pass before they pass the hard infrastructure. But Joe Manchin and Christian Senema in the Senate, two very moderate Democrats, they want that price tag to come down. They want they don't want some of the stuff that's in the what they call human or soft infrastructure or social safety. So that's I know it's a lot, but Joshua, what uh, what are you making of this?
0: Truth is, I believe about 20 percent of our roads and bridges are in very poor condition right now. And if the United States, I believe, wants to remain competitive in the, in the 21st century, you know, they've got to run on good infrastructure, right? We've got to have good roads, that people could commute properly so that trucks can go on them. We have to have good rails so that trains can run on them and bring goods from one place to another. And then obviously we need to make sure that Americans are taken care of. And I think the things you mentioned earlier, like for example, universal pre-K paid leave for the first time in American history. These are like, you know, important changes that I think are long overdue and that I'm really glad are being considered and on the table right now. But that being said, President Biden wanted far more out of this, right? He was just shot in the foot by Republicans and by Manchin and Cinema and other Democrats. That's, you know, that, that's how it is in Congress, right? I mean, you don't always get what you want. And obviously, we question their motives and to why they object to a lot of what President Biden, you know, offered in those bills. But I think this is still a pretty sizable investment nonetheless. I'm still, you know, fairly happy about that. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier, 2022 likely won't be good for Democrats if so could lose the House. So this is like Biden's one good chance to make a huge legislative accomplishment. I think it's kind of sad that it didn't turn out as expected because we really do need these improvements to, you know, remain competitive and remain modern.
1: Exactly. Part of this is normal intraparty lobbying. There's always some members of the president's party that don't go along with everything the president wants. But this time it's a bit different. We're at such an inflection point in American history. We just had a near death experience of our democracy. 25% of all our infrastructure is at risk of collapsing due to flooding. And it's on top of all the report cards we keep getting of Cs and Ds from major organizations saying our infrastructure in general is absolute garbage and needs to be updated. But, and there's also the fact that a lot of what's going on in the social safety net expansion is popular with Americans. There, there's never really been a lot of movement on that until now. When I look at the progressives and the moderates of Manchin and Senema. I just think if more seats have been won by Democrats in the Senate, we would not be facing this problem. Fear and simple. If Sarah Game didn't nationalize the election in Maine, if Cal Cunningham didn't have a cell phone in North Carolina, it, Manchin just thinks coal is going to keep ha- keep going for decades to come. And Senema just wants to be John McCain. And she's not. So my advice to progressives is just take what you can get. If they have to par the bill, the social safety bill down, take it. now. Don't take everything. Like obviously you should negotiate, but let the hard infrastructure pass. Like Biden and Pelosi and Schumer, the actual leaders of the Democratic Party both Congress and the White House, they're not gonna let the the social safety net go down. They're not gonna let the, they're not gonna let the expansion go down. Really have to worry about them abandoning it. What really has to be here is that Manchin killed the climate proposals. He, he's basically said he said, "Oh, I want it's it's bad for the coal industry in West Virginia, even though it's 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 really on its last legs." He's basically yeah. said, "Oh, you know, we don't have to have all this climate, you know, energy, clean energy, and modernizing our electrical grid. We don't need all that because we're out of coal."
0: Uh, you know, I probably am like one of like what billions of voices who are saying at this, this point, but we cannot wait forever to actually act on climate change. I mean, climate change is already manifesting itself like everywhere. You know, merely weeks ago like here in New York, like we had like flooding on an unprecedented level from Hurricane Ida, and we we're having these tropical storms happen to us at faster rates and they're powerful than ever before. So people can't really deny that climate change is impacting the world at at a larger, at, you know, at an increasing rate, and we have to act quickly to reduce carbon emissions, and President Biden has a plan that's assuming that he's able to get all the initiatives he wants crossed over into actual policy and right now you know congress doesn't really want to follow along with that so the fact that mansion and other members of congress are completely you know trying to ruin these efforts you know it's it's going to shoot us in the foot in the future
1: now only shoot us in the foot it's going to literally kill everyone at this point no this isn't a, this is an alarmism this is reality this is the reality that 50 years florida is going to be underwater This is why I really wish we could just bring back earmarks so you can at least bring back some incentive, congressmen, to basically literally have, like, the physical sign that, okay, I brought money back to my district, like, written in the bills, written in the legislation. Because if you want to talk about manufacturing, fine, go build uh, the new age nuclear reactors, go build the electric cars. If, If you want to talk about revitalizing the manufacturing sector, if you want to talk about revitalizing middle America... Have them build the clean cars. Have them build the, the green energy. Go give them something.
0: I think the electrical car market is still very much up for grabs. Is America gonna become the dominant electrical car producer? Or is China gonna become the electric the dominant electrical China. car producer?
1: It's already China. I mean Well, it's already China, but it's still,
0: you know, early enough for America to somehow, you know, try to gain a lead. You know what I mean? Like it's not sure. completely lost. Like it is, you know, forever industries which China has completely taken over. But you know like you mentioned, like, you know, coal's a dying industry, right? And, you know, coal's going to only make climate change worse. And, you know, people and politicians are right. You know, American workers are losing their jobs because coal plants are shutting down and it's a dying industry and people are losing their jobs. So why not put these people to work on more cleaner source of energy, like wind turbines, rebuilding the electrical grids.
1: I mean, you have a lot
0: of economic opportunity here. And you've just got to take advantage of it. You know what I mean? And they don't want to do that.
1: In cult, I mean, it is cold country. You can't just plop something down and say, OK, this is, your, this is your new job now. In any case, I mean, the other thing that really bothers me is the child tax credit. That really worked. Like, that actually worked at getting people back to work. It, it actually helped families get through the pandemic. And Democrats want to expand it, which actually, according to Matthew Iglesias, former guy at Vox, who, who, who's very good at economic policy, an actual permanent child tax credit you know, already crushed half, it already cut child poverty in half. It will work wonders for helping families afford medicine, afford rent, afford childcare. Having actual discretionary income without strings attached. You know, as long as you make under a certain you know income level, like that's actually working. That actually works. So if you look at Stockton, California, which had a universal basic income pilot program. It worked out really well so when you actually give people money and say, okay, there's no work requirements. You know, you can do what you want with the money. They don't waste it. Like, it, there's actually not a big waste problem with this money. But now Joe Manchin says, well, now we want work requirements because people are not going to work. The reason why people are not working now because of the pandemic is because there are terrible conditions. The fact that in the, the, the minimum wage hasn't gone up. This is, basic, this is basic economics. There's a sense of, yes, a lot of these economic changes are overdue. You know, unions have been crushed. And at some extent, you're not, they're never really going to come back because even Europe has basically abandoned them. The media work is changing. The workplace is not the 1950s, it's not the 1980s, it's not the 2000s, it's not even the 2010s really anymore. Because now it is the gig economy. It is an age where people have maybe a dozen careers in their lifetime. We're in a new age of the digital economy. We're in a new age of of an aging population. We have challenges of, of immigration. We need innovative solutions. And a child tax credit is a good way, you know, facilitating growth of actually giving people a chance.
0: You know, one thing I'm I'm curious about that I haven't yet read, I'm not sure if there's going to be money spent on this, but I was wondering if there would be money spent on infrastructure at the border, right? Because right now we have a massive surge of illegal immigration, you know, and I don't think it's fair to blame this on Trump or Biden or anybody else, because it's it's a result of decades of failed policy. And we're not able to just deal with the huge wave of illegal immigration that's coming to us and how to, you know, process and how to just, I mean, do, do you know if there's going to be any spending done on that?
1: From what I understand, I don't think anything in these bills really addresses that. But on that front, I, I mean, I don't really have much to say because what do you want Biden to do? What do you actually want Mayorkas and Biden to do? They really, I really think they're doing the best they can to, to get actual policy through. If it was up to me, i put a Marshall Plan for the Central American angle of Honduras and El Salvador and Guatemala and basically build their economies, build out institutions. I know that's an insane idea long term, like decades, but...
0: More foreign aid to these countries,
1: like literally go there, their governments build up public infrastructure, build up. Yeah, but but
0: that would be a very long-term solution, though. I mean, in the short term, like, you know, even and even if you do build up infrastructure, I still think the incentive to come to the U.S. will be pretty high. We just don't have the infrastructure at the border right now to deal with the massive surge of immigrants. Like you know what they're saying on Fox and in conservative circles, which is plain disgusting old tropes of, you know, refugees are bringing disease and all that. You know, we we have to make sure that, you know, the border is safe and secure, right? And there's no way we can ensure that and guarantee that right now because we just don't have enough infrastructure and, you know, good policy to actually deal with all that.
1: No one's situation. You're not going to please everyone. They're taking out at least some of the most inhumane policies, like the family separation policy, but they're not saying, oh, we need to fund ICE. In this current situation, that's a terrible idea because it's just going to cause more chaos. The only thing we really can do, I know for sure, is just go with the long-term strategy.
0: I also don't have an intangible solution. And frankly, all these people who try to pin this entire thing on Biden don't have a solution either. Uh, really, nobody does. That's quite a shame.
1: And that concludes this episode of Gen Zero Stock Politics. Be sure to join our Discord server. Follow us on Instagram at Gen Zero Stock Politics and on Twitter at Gen Zero Stock Poly with an I and add or email us to ask your burning questions.
0: Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time.